Hello, everyone, and welcome once again, or maybe for the first time, to the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we talk about indie comics and everything adjacent to indie comics. I am your host, or one of your hosts, rather, Brian, and I'm joined by, I would have to say, my two besties, Richard and (laughs) Carrie. This is news to me. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? We have a... a, a, Joking, I'm teasing. We have a podcast chat, and it's like, and that's basically the most the most communication I, I make with anybody on our friendly friendly terms is with YouTube. Well, and obviously, you, you know, Carrie and I are married, so that's good that we communicate with each other. But but, <laughs> but yeah, like you guys, are definitely... but we never speak outside of the chat. Yeah. No, oh yeah. Once, God, the, talk, once the episode episode is done recording, no, no talking to each other. Oh my God. <laughs> <Respectfully>. <laughs> they 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 sit in silence and then walk to their bunk beds oh. and sleep mm-hmm. in separate. <laughs> the dream. <Yes. laughs> All right. Well, I am glad everyone has joined. Glad that everyone has joined us today. Um, um, If you're still here, you haven't immediately checked out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like this, this episode has like a 10 second listen, like average (laughs) listen. Well, thank you for sticking around, and uh, we do have a great episode today. As always, so we're we're gonna that is up for debate. But yes, let's continue. (laughs) Well, we do have um a. a main subject that will we will announce some content warnings before we start talking about it but um overall um we do have a great episode and we'll be uh we'll be talking about some good comics today i'm i know this for a fact because we talked about what books we we're going to talk about in the future spoiler alert so okay so for, for things first is a uh, diy corner you know what you know do we need the music like can we like DIY corner? Yeah. No, no? let's just continue into <laughs> DIY corner. Okay. I'm not here to fuck around today, people. Okay. We're here to get this done with. Like, um, I guess there's a ter- there's a there's a saying in Australia, mm-hmm. like um, if if like basically if you're you're you don't want a lollygag, mm-hmm. you say I'm not here to fuck spiders. Is their saying? I am horrified, yet I love that. <laughs> so okay, Could all right. Imagine well, fucking a huntsman. Oh God. I think I don't think I think that thing would be the fucker, not the fucky. <laughs> anyway. No, I oh I, oh well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I okay, yeah. I was like, no, duh, you're. Never mind. Okay. Let's not get into it. So we we'll go into the DIY corner, um, and uh, it's where we talk about uh, you know basically Kickstarter comics, uh, you know, uh, artists and and writers that are uh, getting them down and funded, getting themselves funded without. Uh, the help of uh, publishers getting stuff done the old style, old school style um we have one it's actually really cool um it's uh the after after realm number five uh do you ever have those comics i mean like every okay if you read comics this happens to you guys that often um you know you you like a book you're reading it it's great all of a sudden you know it's coming out once a quarter once a month depending on what it is you know like what whatever schedule it has and then it just disappears, and there's like no word about what happened to it. the The After Realm for me is, was definitely a book like that recently, where I really enjoyed it, and it was a quarterly book. So it it took me a little longer than usual to realize that it was it was missing because you know it was not coming out once a month; it was coming out every three months. Um, but then yeah, three months passed by, six months passed by, and nothing. So um, it got so it got announced uh, a few days ago. 
that um, Michael Avon Omi, you might know him from Powers. Um, he he's the writer and the artist. He's put the the uh, the next issue of After Realm number, which is number five. It's gonna end the uh, it's gonna end the first story arc of uh, the series, and it's now on Kickstarter. Uh, as of the recording today, there's a like, 25 days to go on it. Uh, what is the After Realm? You may ask. Um, that here I will go ahead and use the description that's in the Kickstarter because I think uh, that's the best way to do this. And that would be the After Realm is about Uno Lightfoot an elf torn away from her best friend at the beginning of Ragnarok and the destruction of the Nine Realms. She struggles to find her friend to fulfill a promise they made about exploring the Nine Realms. After saving her people from Loki, Una sets out to explore those new worlds and record what has become of them, and to record what happened to the old gods and the new peoples that inhabit it. So, that is the description. What's really cool about it is that one of the new realms that appears out of uh, out of Ragnarok is the modern world, the world that we live in. And so she's a she's an elf from all Norse mythology, cool. and she's uh, traversing through modern times. is is part of the story. And our I don't understand why we're still uh, talking about old gods. We've had new gods since at least the seventies now. Yeah, thank you, Jeff Kirby. <laughs> But yeah, we um the um the characters, I mean like the art artwork is great. If you're you know, uh OME has a very thick pencil uh when he draws, um nice, nice standard great lines on everything, um, very expressive faces. Uh it, yeah, it was a great book to read. And like um there is if you haven't read any of the other issues of After Realm, have no fear, there's there's tears. That didn't not mean the rhyme <laughs> that um that have the other issues in you know that you can get the the first four issues as well or whatever or whatever amount of issues you need to uh, to complete your uh, your story collection so mm. so yeah we uh, cool. there's yeah there's plenty of ways to get this um it's gonna have like concept art and there's gonna be new covers um so yeah this is definitely um something to check out. Uh, I will, um, it will have, we will have the link as always in our description and we you know, hope you guys enjoy it. It ends on uh, Sunday, October 2nd. So you have basically three weeks. Nice. So cool. Totally. All right. Okay. Well, that's the Island Corner. So you know what? Let's go ahead and go into our spotlights. Spotlights. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, uh, you know what? I, I, I have I'm full of pumpkin spice latte. Yes, I'm a basic bitch, so maybe yeah, that's why I'm I'm a little high high caffeinated today. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're a if you want to stay up, you do cocaine like an adult. Okay, <laughs> we don't drink coffee well, here. Not like a 16 year old girl. Is there a pumpkin spice cocaine? Because I'm totally. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just joking. I did see uh um. I did see a clip from a yeah, soccer game recently uh-huh. where, you know, there's a big goal and you know how it is. Like the, the crowd is, uh, you know, the, the, the cameraman cuts away to the crowd to get crowd reaction uh-huh. and mm-hmm. someone's doing a big old bump right when they cut to the crowd. Shut up, really? <laughs> In, inappropriate. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll text it to you. Oh, it's that's absurd. wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, Richard, uh, if you don't mind, do you want to go first on the uh, the spotlights? Oh, Yeah. Um, This week, I'm taking a look at uh, Minor Threats number one 
from Dark Horse, Dark Horse. Wow, Dark Horse Comics. Okay. That was far more difficult than it had any business being. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, by Patton Oswalt, Jordan Blum, Scott Hepburn, Ian Herring, and Nate Piecos. Piecos, yes. So, Minor Threats. Um, first of all, really, really enjoyed this book. This first issue, we jump in and we're seeing the life of a uh, supervillain named Playtime. And Playtime's actually her mother's uh, sidekick. Her mother was the toy queen and they had like a power, basically they had like creation powers. Like there was like, they could take any technology and make it into stuff. But they just, you know, went for a, th a theme. So they just made, you know, toy weapons. Mm -hmm. But we see Playtime, she's a little bit older and she's trying to go straight. But she, because she has a record, the only place that she can get a job at is a uh, basically a supervillains bar where all the supervillains come and hang out. They plot crimes. They, you know, you know, reminisce and commiserate. And even in the superhero supervillain bar, she's not that popular because her and her mom got taken down by the regular cops, not by a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they can't kind of shat on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's over there and people try to entice her to do some crime or, you know, to use her powers. And she's just like, no, nah, I'm trying to go straight because she actually had like a regular life as well. She has a daughter that, you know, because of her record and everything she has going on, she's not allowed to see. So basically, she's like, I just want to go to straight and narrow so I could be able to see my daughter. Um, and as all this is, you know, we're learning about her, her whole deal. One of the villains bust in with another villain who's like, you know, on the edge of death, broken bones, you know, bones poking out the skin, bloody. And basically they say it's the insomniac that did this to him. And everyone's like, no, the insomniac wouldn't do that. Like there's rules. Like, you know, there's a tit for tat between superhero and supervillain. Like they won't pop off. And what we find out on the news is that a supervillain named Stickman has murdered Kid Dust, the insomniac's uh, sidekick. And now the insomniac is going for broke. All the superheroes are going through all, all the city and they just want any information on where to find Stickman. And they are not pulling punches any longer. So <laughs> <laughs> they, they go through and basically they're just pulling villains off the street. Like villains aren't even doing anything. They just see them and they are assaulting them. And also we get a little more of a Playtime's backstory. We see her, you know, in her villain mode. We also see her trying to go straight, applying places, trying to get jobs and being denied everywhere. And she goes to see her mom for advice. And her mom's like, nah, the solution is to get back into the game. Her mother's not the good influence. Her mother's out <laughs> no, here. Like, go, go do crime. The, the, answer, the answer to all your questions is to go do crime again. Oh, no. So... Again, she's over here trying to play it straight. Villains are trying to, uh, to, 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 you know, entice her to come, come get in on stuff. So she goes to go try to visit her. Uh, I don't know if it's her ex-husband or, you know, her baby's father to see her daughter. And what she does is that she just leaves a toy outside the house because she didn't want any drama. And the guy comes out and he automatically thinks it's one of her toys that, you know, has a power and is going to do something crazy. And she's like, no, it's a toy I brought from the store. And her daughter wakes up and she sees her. She's like, is mommy back? And again, Aww. right then and there, one of the overzealous superheroes grabs her off the street and is pumping her for information on the uh, whereabouts of the stick man. She pleads with her that, like, I'm just trying to see my daughter. I don't 
do I don't live that life anymore. And the the hero brings her back, but her daughter's like completely traumatized and is crying from the situation. The baby's father's like, "You disgust me!" And he slams the door all over dramatically. This it's the same reaction as the uh, dad in uh, Umbrella Academy, Brian, when we watched the show. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm just kind of like, and I'm like, dude, bruh, take a chill pill. You live in a crazy <laughs> world. Mm-hmm. You're sleeping with a lady that uh, you know, has superpowers. Like, relax. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to expect things like this, unfortunately. Especially if they were once a super villain. So basically, after all this trauma and seeing that, like, she will not be able to get right to get herself on the straight and narrow, Playtime dons her uh, costume once again. She goes back to the villain bar and she's like. I have a plan, and what we need to do is we need to hunt down Stickman and kill him ourselves so these superheroes will, like, let us live our lives. And she's gathering all the other, basically, you know, I would say B the D-list supervillains to track down Stickman, (laughs) who seems to be this world's uh, Joker equivalent, to go murder him. But yeah, really fun book. Really dope book. Really good art. Really cool character designs for all these, uh, you know, Originally created superheroes and villains, fun uh, power types, but just I really like the story. I think when uh, I was reading it, Brian read it as well. He was saying that they had a very uh, uh, superior foes of Spider-Man vibe, and I can't agree more. Yeah, it's definitely like the the lovable loser um, supervillain, um, you know, that, you know, like just, just can't catch a break, period, even though. And they're not even really that evil. They're just, you know, that's just their lot in life. They're, they're villains, you know. <laughs> You know, they, right, right. So many of them seem like they were just in it for the thrill, like the exhilaration yeah. of being villains. Oh, that's interesting. Absolutely, it's like kind of like that Silver Age kind of feel, where you know, like they're just like, let's go rob banks, you know, like and let's have fun, like just chicaneries, you know. We'll we'll have a giant penny and you know a robot dinosaur <laughs> you know, and stuff like that, you know. Uh, As you do. Yeah, exactly, and yeah, um, you know, like and like there, there's definitely nuances of like. You know, you kind of see, like, obviously Insomniac and, and Kid Dusk are Batman and Robin, and, you know, and if there is one, if there's one superhero character that's going to flip it after the death of, you know, and it did happen, you know, like, when Death in the Family, um, you know, obviously it's um, it's going to be a Batman-type character that's going to start murdering people. And um, and I love the fact also that the, the, uh, the, 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 is it the Compendium? What was the name of the other, the Justice League? It was something like that, right? The, it was, but anyways, the, the the Justice League analog. They're not concerned about Insomniac, like you know, they're not concerned for the villains. I love the fact that they want to stop, like, and try to find Stickman, just so that Insomniac doesn't kill anybody and make them all look bad. It's funny, you know. So it's like you you just like superior foes. You're getting like the vibe, like, are these guys really the good guys? Are you know, like, and are these guys really the bad guys? You know, like I, I, I like that kind of juxtaposition. So that yeah. sounds fun. Yeah, it was really, it was really good. I'm very happy. I like, I like. Oh, when you... right, it was the Continuum is the Continuum. name of the group. Thank you very much. And yeah, I, I like when when you and I uh, both read the same book because it's you know, especially when it's really good like this. And I was, yeah, no. and I was telling you right before, right before, like you know, like you know, obviously Patton Oswalt is is you know a celebrity. And you know, and I and I I kind of picked up the book, um, 
because I liked the description and like and I wasn't expecting much because you know like I mean, you know I've read something before um you know like a little short story that he had done you know and 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 it didn't really you know I I, mean, I just personally didn't really like it as much so I didn't I wasn't expecting much and um and then when I got and they got this book and I went through it and I'm like this is awesome like kudos yeah. to you Brian what you got for spotlight I have three books um I'm gonna start with uh roll yep i'm gonna start with wind um the throne in the sky number one um this third volume of wind uh just really quick uh, about story essentially one if you're into to ya in like ya books and and you also like fantasy and you're not reading this then you you need to change your life (laughs) jesus christ you guys thought i had the weird comments today (laughs) Um, you should see Richard's reaction on this camera. <laughs> Brian's like, if you're not re- if you're not if you're into these things, you're not reading this book. Change your complete religion. You're yeah. fucking yeah. up. You, yeah. yeah, switch diet or I don't know. Never mind. You have to forgive us. We're in a heat wave right now in California, yeah. and our windows closed, and we're both kind of bleh. yeah. So okay. moving on. Oh my well, goodness. So so when is uh by James Tinian the fourth. Um, Michael Dallin, Dallinus, sorry, excuse me, and uh, and World Designed, and it is a Boom Studios comic, and so uh, quick uh, quick uh, recap on on Win so far. Essentially, Win is a boy who um is born into well, he's found outside of a town called Pipe Town. The uh, the the town is ruled by a king, uh, King Yosar. Uh, he does not allow uh, anybody with any kind of magic to live in this town. And Wind is born with pointy ears. And so, therefore, he's, you know, he, it's obvious that he has some kind of magic in his blood. So he basically spends most of his life uh, working at his, um, the mom, you know, the mom who adopted, adopted him, uh, has a bar. Her name is Maggie. Or sorry, excuse me. Her name is Molly, and uh, she, and he works along with um with her 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 daughter and her daughter's um excuse me. Her daughter's name is Oakley, and um and he kind of he works in the kitchen. And when he's not in the kitchen, he's he has his head wrapped or he's wearing something that conceals his ears. Well, um, you know, basically what happens? Things things go down. Like it's gonna it's um there's a um a guy that comes to town because there's there's word that there's weird blood people out there that's what they call the people with magic in their blood weird bloods um and he's called the bandage man he can smell the um the magic in the air so 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 basically wind molly and oakley need to flee uh pipe town uh because they're you know basically the jig is up and um and unfortunately molly doesn't make it out and so oakley and and wind make it out but they are also met with Prince Yorick, who's the, who's the son of uh, of the king, um, and there's also a boy that uh, Wind has a uh, major thirst for. He's the uh, the son of the groundskeeper named Thorn. Um, they are also escaping Pipe Town because um, uh, Yorick wants to basically create a unified um, land, and he wants to, like you know basically like usurp his dad. And become become the leader, or help someone else become the leader. Like his 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 uncle is actually um, 
outside of the town and he wants to become the leader and, and like basically unite the unite the land of Ascalion, which is the end of the town. Um so things go down, like you know, there's a lot of fights and 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 there's a lot of uh you know different confrontations. Meanwhile, wind starts growing wings and he starts becoming more kind of bird-like. There's like a legend called like the winged ones who will bring peace. And so it's kind of becoming be believed that he is he is like one of the winged ones of the prophecy. Um, the end of the second volume had them going to um, a town called Escalion, which was the uh, the town of, of fairies, and the um, the vampires who got high. They're they're uh, basically lifelong enemies of the fairies. They they all came from the same place, but then like the vampires and fairies kind of branched off like genetically and um the vampires now don't they can't fly and they have obviously they're vampires so they have to rely on blood and and everything um and and meanwhile like the kind of the fairies got kind of the the longer end of the stick and they're able to you know fly around and like you know live live fun lives essentially so there's a rivalry between them well the um king had the bandage man was actually a vampire uh, the king had hired him to to to, um, to get anybody who had weird weird the weird blood out of the town, um, and when they escaped, they ended up murdering the man uh, or killing the bandaged man. I wouldn't say it was murder, but it's more more killed. And um, which turns out he's the brother of the general of the vampire army named Dedra, and now she's after them. Um, they end up going to Escalion and pretending that they're humans and they burn down the the town. Um, and this is like the most sacred city of like of the fairies. And so now the fairies are pissed off at the humans. Um, you know, nobody wants to be united anymore. Uh, and meanwhile, like uh, poor wind is kind of going through changes. And so um, this is all kind of basically they're on the run now as the first, this new, this new um, issue, this new volume begins and um they're kind of trying to figure out where to go because the, they were originally going to go to the fairy capital but they find out that um they're not going to probably be welcome there <laughs> once they get there so they gotta they gotta find a safe safe haven um they have a pretty large um company that they're with now uh they you know they have thorn um as well as yorick um and oakley is still there uh the um they're, they were they're joined by a fairy uh, named Marion who her her mom Gwendolyn was killed while trying to help them out in the previous volume as well so yeah there's a, there's a lot of stuff going down in this story <laughs> oh, wow. um, but it's it's really well drawn it's 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 T James Tinney in the fourth is a great writer it might be Tynan I I always mess that up and I do apologize. I'm not really good with names sometimes. Um but um but yeah, I it's um it's definitely been one of my favorites in the last few years and I'm glad it's it's back. Um I'm always happy to uh talk about it as much as I can. So that's wind. Um I mean I got two more recent series. Um the The Lonesome Hunters, number three by Tyler Crook, uh from Dark Horse. Uh Tyler Crook, um he's you know, he's done a lot of art for most like horror stuff uh if, if that name sounds familiar um he's the other tyler you know we talked about tyler boss last uh episode so this is the the, the this is the other tyler that i also like 
Um, and this is um, I don't know if he's he's done a, a book by himself before. Uh, this is the first one I'm, I I know about. Essentially, um, the story of the Lonesome Hunters is that there's a um, basically take the the beginning of the story is a hundred years before the before modern times, and there's a guy a kid named Howard who um, is basically his dad is part of a group that's trying to protect the world from from magic and from like you know like demons and like occultism basically because occultism is starting to get uh, become really big during this this era and um howard you know he's like a like a 15 year old kid and he's given a sword that's that was taken from a creature that's like older than the earth itself and like and like he's the only one that could wield it essentially and he is he's tasked basically to um they're going to break into this uh into this cult ceremony that they're summoning a demon and he's going to you know basically relinquish the demon with the sword so they break in he obviously he's a 15 year old boy <laughs> he has a giant <laughs> sword he kind of falters um there's a fire he sees his dad get get murdered by one of the cult people he just totally freezes and the place burns down he's the only one that survived oh wow um and so and that's because this sword grants basically immortality in a way or at least it slows down aging sweet so 100 years later he's now he's still alive he's very old <laughs> he's you know like i mean obviously he's over 100 years old now but but he looks it he's he's drawn like he's maybe like um in his 70s or 80s oh interesting so maybe um, it doesn't slow maybe you're not immortal you because i always assumed like if you're immortal like the moment yeah. like you freeze exactly and okay. in this case it's at least slowed down his, his aging and so he's okay. you know he's an old man and what happens is um and he's now hidden the sword he, you know, because um, and like, you know, because he basically also knows that a lot of magical beings would be looking for this thing. So what happens is his neighbor, um, is a young, one of his neighbors is a young girl named Lupe, and she's um like 15, 16 years old. Uh -huh. Um, she she asks for his help because her uncle is acting really strange, um, and and um. So he goes in uh, and finds out that he's been possessed by magpies. Uh -oh. And the reason why the magpies are possessed him is because he stole a pocket watch from the magpies and they wanted it back. <laughs> and so they basically, um, his, the uncle George, you know, bear in mind, he wasn't a good person. You find out later. So don't, don't mourn for George, but he's basically dead. And, <laughs> and so, um, and um and so um the um sorry i just lost my my spot here um so basically howard um in order to protect lupe takes out the sword and and like bites off the magpies fortunately he's not able to kill each magpie because magpies talk Aww. and and the magpies will talk to each other and what do the magpies want? They want, you know, basically anything of value or anything shiny. And so they see the sword that's supposed to have, has basically blinked out of existence in the last hundred years. Oh no. So they all start talking to each other like, oh shit, this guy, this is where the sword is. So they, so yeah, he successfully saves with his life, but he puts his life, his life um, 
endangered and and basically Luffy's life kind of as well more in danger now um because the the magpies have now seen the sword so um they end up capturing one of the magpies and basically saying that you know basically asking say like like tell you what we have the we have the watch we'll give you the watch back um tell your queen the queen magpie you know to 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 let us go if we give you back the watch he's like well that's you know the magpies is like that's not up to me that's up to the queen so they they end up driving to the um they keep they, they basically drive to where the, the queen is and to ask essentially for um you know to basically to for them to be left alone and um and of course you know they know about the sword so maybe that's not going to work out too well um <laughs> So, um, that you know, it, there's a little furthermore that, that happens in issue three. I won't really get into it. But what made me really love this is, so usually, like, the trope you get, you know, when there's an old person and there's a young kid, and is that, like, there's a disconnect and, like, you know, and, like, the old person's, like, cranky and he's, like, set in his own ways and he just want to listen or talk, like, talk to the, you know, to the kid about the kid stuff. Well, um, on their way, on their drive, Lupe, who's driving because she has her permit, I think place, it takes place in the UK, so, um, so you know, like, and it takes place in London, so not everyone has their driver's license because it's not necessary, and including Howard. And Lupe has her learner's permit, so she's driving her uncle's car, um, and she's telling him about this this TV show, like it's like an anime that she loves. That's like a like a mech. Like it, it reminded me a lot of Voltron. It it, was, it wasn't one that really existed, but basically it was going through all the all the drama of the story or like that. And Howard is like totally engaged. He's like, oh my god, like so like they can't, you know, like like the 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 one character was not able to activate the mech without the help of another character, and they're not. They're not they're not getting along and he's like oh my god they have to get along in order for them to like activate the back like uh, how are they going to get out of this and like she's like and like the girl loop is like i know like like this is why it's so good blah 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 so i loved that moment because you don't really get that a lot in stories where like you know like an older person is engaged like with with a kid and it's not even you know i think now there's there's definitely like kind of like a a, a grandfather or granddaughter um you know like relationship you know even though they're not related but yeah it just made me it warmed my heart like to, to have this moment you know in, in, in the car I know it kind of sounds silly but that's what made me I mean I already liked the story but just that one moment just made me absolutely love this uh this um comic so far so yeah it's it's really good um <laughs> I feel like I'm scared that uh, Brian's going to come out as uh, anti-magic in his politics because two of his books had anti-magic stances in them. They were discriminating against <laughs> yeah. the magic users. Oh, no. <laughs> That's me. Anti-magic? No. I, uh, well, this one doesn't have... Well, it kind of has to do with a little bit of magic, but um, a little more ambiguously. Um, that is uh, End After End, number one, by David Andrew, Tim Daniel... Uh, Sinando C, Kurt Michael Russell, and Jim Campbell from Vault Comics. So, low-key, I love Vault Comics. I really haven't read anything from Vault that I haven't, you know, disliked. Um, yeah, like, no, they're they're on a run of, like, almost nothing but good books. Yep. And, At least the ones I've read. <laughs> yeah, like, Vault, Vault and Boom, for me, are, like, two, are two uh, you know, um, 
comic publishers that I just like, okay, they're making this book. Okay, I'll, I'm going to check it out because it's probably going to be good. And um, I'm bringing this up because David Andrew and Tim Daniel actually were one of the big reasons why I also picked this up. Um, David Andrew wrote Resident uh, for Vault Comics a couple years ago. So a post-apocalyptic horror book. And Tim Daniel wrote The Plot, which is like a gothic horror book. And both of those books are amazing. And so I, those are also low-key recommendations right now, too. Like, read, read the plot and read read Resonance. They're both really good books. Um, and so the fact they're teaming up to write another book, I'm like, okay, I'm game. I'm like, I, I will read this. And that's End After End. So the reason why it's called End After End, you, find out, you kind of find out right away, is what if Purgatory wasn't so nice <laughs> you know essentially what if you had to fight for your life in purgatory essentially it's kind of like the way the story goes um it, it begins in modern times uh we have our hero of the story his name is uh, walter willem he is standing waiting for a train at an elevated pl platform um he gets distracted by a bug that he's trying to take a picture of he walks in front of a train and dies and he wakes, he wakes up, and he's in the middle of a battlefield. And basically, the guy next to him is like, hey, like, get up, get ready, because they're attacking. We don't have time. And all of a sudden, you hear a big boom, and he looks over to his left, and the person talked to him doesn't have a head anymore. <laughs> so he's like, oh, shit. Mm. He's like, so he's like, oh, shit. What he just happened? got real. So, so, so basically, yeah, um, what the story is is essentially this, this realm is where people go immediately after they die. They're get then they get conscripted into this war, and they become soldiers. And 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 um, Walter himself is part of the these um this group that's um, basically protecting this warrior woman named Zakatha. Um, basically, they're the infantry that's that's creating a path for her to go through to defeat like the big bats. And so he basically has to like um. He he gets kind of um helped by this old like little fat like dwarven looking guy, but he's a fairy because he has wings. And his name is Grink. Um, and basically kind of puts him up to date real quick. And he's like, they grab a sword and don't and like get ready to do some stabbing. Essentially, is what he says. And so um and then he sees the katha, thinks that she's beautiful, and like Grink is like, oh, I'm glad that you're. You're thinking about important things right now, like while we're in war, like you know, like how beautiful the place <laughs> that we're we're trying to help out is. Um, so so yeah, she um so so yeah, the, it's it's a very cool premise. So essentially, you can then obviously die again. They don't. I don't think they either describe what happens if you die in this war, but um, like where does your soul go essentially? Um, but but as of right now, essentially, like once you die, you get converted into an army and you have to fight. For your for your afterlife essentially so it's a fun it's a fun uh fun premise so far i, cool. I definitely enjoyed it and i like i said there's there's quality uh david andrew and tim Daniel are are writers i i enjoy and um sunando see i've never seen their art love it it's good everything looks great so <laughs> definitely i'll definitely give this a look because i'm here for any book that has like alternative takes on like afterlife that isn't yeah. just you know mm -hmm go to Judeo-Christian heaven or, you know, end up dead. So if it has yeah. something, you know, a fun and interesting twist, I'm here for it. Absolutely. And it's like it's like a version of Valhalla, I guess, but, you know, like Valhalla is where you train. 
for the big you know for the big battle but this is literally you're you basically wake up in middle earth and you're you're fighting nice like orcs essentially very cool so yeah it's pretty cool well speaking of pretty cool things i guess it's time for our main subject and no i'm not going to sing a song for the for our main subject but it is can i do the content warning oh yeah okay let's, you, let's you do, do some it content. first well, well our our uh we, we're actually uh we have a theme of of uh, books that we've we've read the last couple uh weeks um last week was dead dogs bite which had no dogs in it but this week we have stray dogs which has a lot of dogs in it and it's mm-hmm. by uh, Tony a lot Fleek. of good boys a lot of good boys and girls <laughs> Uh, by Tony Fleeks, uh, Trish Forstner, Brad Simpson, Tony Rodriguez, uh, Lauren Perry, Laura Herda, and Gabriella Downey. And this was Richard's choice. And But before that, let Carrie uh, go ahead and do our big content warning. <laughs> okay, so major content warning. Uh, there is graphic violence against uh, humans and graphic violence against animals i will say that a lot of the graphic violence takes place off screen so to speak but it is um very much heavily implied yes and like there's no there's no ambiguity but it's, yeah you like don't you get know what's going on like you yeah. get it yeah. and um i would say on uh a carry level of zero to ten i cried I was at a solid 8.5 yesterday. So um, it, I cried a lot and I um, was very sad. So um, just, it's good, but we'll talk about that more, but just a big, um, just a big warning. So it's definitely worth reading. Just deal yourself. Um, it, you know, there's, there's some, some violence some, to, to those good boys and girls uh, in the story. So. All right. I'm already sad again. Oh. I'm well, hiding behind Brian so that Richard doesn't see me on the screen. <laughs> well, well, Richard, if you don't mind, uh, go ahead and uh, let us. Uh, I will take you. it away. Yeah. And if you hear any um, crying, it's it's probably me in the background. I got my eye on you, Brian. Yep. <laughs> All right. So our book opens up. With uh, Sophie, who's a little little dog, you know, a little teeny uh, female dog being taken to the vet by her uh, owner, a young woman in a red scarf. Um, one thing that this book does a lot, uh, nobody that owns a dog, uh, you ever see their face? It's very uh, Muppet Babies vibes. You're only getting uh, shots from the neck down. I love Muppet <laughs> Babies. That's my favorite. Yeah, no, Muppet Babies was fantastic. But yeah, Sophie is, you know, we don't know if she's sick or not, but she, we, what we do know about her is she's super skittish. So, you know, the uh, her owner and the doctor are making st- small talk, and then they give the doctor's like, I'm going to give her a shot, and she'll be as good as new. You know, stark flash cut after the shot. Sophie wakes up, and she's with the man, and he's taking her home to meet the other dogs. And boy, is there a lot of dogs. They're all sniffing Sophie, and they're, like, greeting her. They're, you know, hey, how you doing? And she's like, everyone, no, 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 back up. Sophie's very skittish. She's very freaked out by the situation. And, you know, one of the, after they all back up, one of the dogs comes up, and his name is Rusty, and he introduces herself, and Sophie introduces herself. And Rusty kind of feels like he knows her, but he's, you know, neither one of them could put their 
finger on it. So then we get a dog roll call. There's Victor and Gucci and there's Henry and of course other Henry, which is my favorite of the dog names, Aldo and Roxanne. There's Killer, who's a small pug. There's Imogene, which we'll use the name Imogene enough anymore. Mm -hmm. So I just like it. Beautiful name. That's a good name. And also there's Earl. Earl. And, you know, the dogs are like, giving her a tour of the home. They all seem very happy. They're like, oh, you know, you're a little nervous, but you're going to love it here. It's great. The bastard's great, 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 great. So they show everything, except there's one room that they're like, oh, we can't go in there. We're forbidden. That's master's like secret room. So, uh, you know, after seeing the secret room, Sophie's still super skittish and she pees inside the house and all the dogs are kind of like, you're you're whack because you pee the doors, so <laughs> we're going to leave you alone. So, you know, Sophie kind of just keeps to herself and she's skittish when it's time to eat. She doesn't come eat. So the new master comes to her and he wraps her in the red scarf of her former owner. And that triggers a memory of her being home and the master having already broken into the house. And when her owner comes home with the groceries, he, he strangles her to death. And now, you know, with this insight, Sophie goes to tell all the other dogs, like, yo, your master guy, he murdered my, my, my old person. Like, and they're like, we don't believe you. We don't believe you. And, you know, she is vehement. And finally, Rusty's like, hey, I don't think the master would do that. But you seem to believe this so thoroughly that I believe you. And I'm going to support you on this. So Rusty's like the best. Mm -hmm. uh, so <laughs> so we, we flash to, you know, the next day, a day later, they're trying to help Sophie get her berries and she can't kind of remember her master, her old owner's face or what happens unless of like she's in proximity of that red scarf. So the owner's going out for the, or the master's going out for the day. And then Rusty's like, hey, you know what? You want to go into the forbidden room? We'll go. And if there's any evidence, you know, whatever, but we'll figure it out. Also, the, uh, the master is like a taxidermist. So there's just like wild dog, you know, and not dog, but like different animal uh, uh, taxidermy throughout the home, which, you know, is a little disconcerting. Being a taxidermist doesn't make you a murderer, but... If you suspect someone's a murderer, the taxidermy is a red flag. That's what those look like. Yes. So um, they are in the room too long, and Rusty gets caught and gets taken out of the room, whereas Sophie gets doesn't get caught, but she gets stuck staying, having to hide within the room. Rusty gets gets taken to what is known as the punishment shed. And or well, excuse me. Sophie actually gets caught later in the room, and then what Rusty does is he kind of uh, breaks uh, some stuff in the house, like breaks a lamp to take the attention off of Sophie. But he gets sent out the punishment, which basically is a shed in the back, and he comes back with like a limp, like like he's holding, you know, he's walking gingerly on one paw. So. Basically, they're like, that's it. Like, our master's not a murderer. You got Rusty, like, punished. And Sophie's like, okay, but, like, like I remember. And, like, there was a bunch of stuff in the room. Like, we just weren't in there long enough. But Sophie did sneak out a picture. 
And then when she shows the picture, one of the dogs is like, wait, that's my lady. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. And this is when it gets a little bit extra dark. Mm -hmm. uh, so three. basically, yes, <laughs> this is Roxanne's lady. And Roxanne's like, oh, crap. I don't know how I forgot something so important. But yeah, the master broke into the house and he killed my lady one day. And we were super happy. So then they start to go, you know, snooping around now in the yard and they find a little, uh, like a, a little uh, crawl space under a deck. And as they start to dig, they see like bodies and what, or they see stuff. And uh, they're about to get caught by the master again, but they dig a hole and keep themselves inside. It's time for dinner when the rest of the dogs, it's uh, Roxanne, uh, Rusty, Sophie, and uh, Victor. Victor's a really adorable Dalmatian. And, and as they, uh, as they, you know, almost get caught, but when they come back, they did find something, and it's like a piece of cloth, and it's a uh, Victor's person, and Victor's person was a firefighter <laughs> who saved him. He wasn't even working at the fire station as a Dalmatian. He's a firefighter that saved him. Then he starts working as the firefighter where the master comes and strangles his uh his his owner and also the master like only seems to want to strangle people so mm -hmm. the dogs are like okay that's three people that are saying the master killed them killed their 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 person so they're like you know what we'll call we'll hit the 911 button on the phone we're dogs we can't talk but like if you hit 911 somebody will show up that's what uh victor's telling them because victor used to work at the fire station so he knows and one dog is standing to the back and will have none of this. And it's Earl. And Earl goes and he scratches at the master's bedroom door and he sells out the other dogs. So the master comes, he takes off the phone, you know, puts the phone on the hook and he's going to take Victor out for punishment. But unlike taking him into the shed like he did Rusty, he takes him behind the shed and all we hear is a bang. It's really, 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 really a bummer. That's the end of issue three. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jerry. If if you're um, did you read this individual issue or did you read a collected edition? For sure. Um, I started it in the collected edition and I finished it in the individual issues oh. actually. Oh, oh so, if you read the individual issues, though, Carrie, all of the issues yeah. have uh, pictures of people's dogs that were mailed in at the end. It's really cute. That's what that's what that's what I was gonna say. That, that's what real dogs that nothing it. bad happened to. Yeah, that's that's how we read it. <laughs> I feel like the dogs at the end of each issue soften the blows, especially in the yes. last three issues. So yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> so the next day, the mood at the home is very sullen. You, um, we actually start with a montage, a memory of uh, of Earl being a puppy and being with the master, being super happy, and the master feeding him treats. Every every everyone, the energy is real awful because they are all aware that Victor's dead, and the master, he's also you could feel that he's angry with them. He's not really treating them like normal. He's kind of cold. So he Sophie caught wind of what Earl did. That he what what was that? Oh, it's a, he leaves without feeding them. As well. Yeah, he leaves without feeding them, yes. So uh, Sophia caught wind of what Earl did, and she lets everyone know that Earl sold everyone out. 
And the person who's like not really engaged in any of this is Imogene. Imogene's just actually kind of like not taking sides. Imogene's just kind of in the back, just vibing. <laughs> and basically they're all like, hey, the master hasn't fed us. The master kind of just left this here. I think the master's going to do us like he did Victor. So they're like, nah, Victor's fine. Victor, you know, some people are in denial or some dogs are in denial. So Vic, uh, they go and they go back there and they find that Victor was skinned and decapitated on top of everything else because the master is just a monster. And at this point, you know, Earl is so dug in that the master's a good dude. The master's great. So, and they're like, well, then why don't you go check the secret room? He's like, well, that's master's room. They're like, if he's such a great guy, why don't you go check? So Earl goes off on his own. He's a bloodhound. He uh, opens up. Yeah, he's a bloodhound. Yeah. And then he goes and he opens up a, a room. And basically he finds Victor's head mounted and a bunch of dogs that were previously living there. I guess that are mounted in this little, uh, I guess, little locker in the master secret room and only to be caught by the master who is brandishing a shotgun at him. But then you get pictures of a bunch of adorable little dogs. Yes. Once again, like, kind of especially Gizmo. <laughs> <laughs> They're so cute. Yeah, definitely. Okay. okay. So basically, the master is ready in our last chapter to kill Earl. And Earl leaps at him and like takes a big old chunk right out of his neck. There, the, the gun does go off as it hits the ground. And Earl is just telling everybody to run, 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 run. We got to go. The master's coming with a shotgun. He's going to shoot everybody. But who comes and saves the day? But Imogene, who's basically been stayed out of it, tackles the master as uh, everyone's trying to get out. Everyone's trying to figure out what to do. The doors are locked. And Earl is like, I said, run. And crashes through a window, cutting himself up. You know, he's, you know, has glass all over him. And basically, they all just bail. Uh, Roxanne gets hit as she's trying to run away. And then, you know. She's about to get, you know, finished when Sophie bat bites the master on the leg and is very, you know, she asserts herself well. She gets kicked and they're basically all screwed that they're going to die. The master's going to murder them all. And then I guess Earl, feeling guilt for his previous stance, he jumps into the middle of traffic, gets hit by a car. And basically with all the commotion that gets, you know, caused by the traffic, you know, draws attention to the master. And, you know, Earl, he dies, unfortunately. He has a death scene. Uh, one of the people walking out of the accident, a woman, she's like, I can't find my phone call 911. She's like, sir. And she's asking for help. The dogs see her and they're like, don't go near him. So they start barking. Then the woman notices that he is covered in blood. And he goes to, he, I guess he was holding the wound that uh, Earl had given him. He was holding it tight to his neck. And once he removes it, he bleeds out and crashes on the ground. Uh, the police come. They're doing an investigation, not on the dogs or anything, the master on the car crash. But basically, the dogs 
the, the one of the police officers comes with a canine uh, dog, and they're the dogs are able to tell that dog, like, "Yo, you gotta go check out what's going on over here. It's yeah. nuts." And then he leads uh, his partner to 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 the crawl space under the deck, and you know, to everything that's going on, and that basically ends our book. Well, the, and we get a, a final scene of uh of um Sophie and Rusty frolicking together and it says it's four months later after after the fact, but they don't remember each other. They're just two dogs that happen to be playing at the park. And that ends our book. Hmm. It's really, really good. It's really, really bleak. It is. It's I uh woof. <laughs> I'm the big fan of this book. It is it is a tough read. Um but one um I guess Tony Fleeks and Trish Trish Forstner originally teamed up to do the um the My Little Pony book and in like definitely Trish Forstner's art is has that kind of like animated slash um but I think she is an animator. Um, matter of fact, um, and um, it has a kind of the, the the way the dogs are drawn, very much like a, a Disney feel to them. I mean, yeah, it's very evocative. And so of that so Disney uh, style, the juxtaposition between the story and how beautiful and like and and what kind of nostalgia the the art brings to like your heart, like of like. You know, like of like the one hundred one Dalmatians and and like the Aristocats and like you know like all those. Yeah, all no, those Rusty animals. looks like he could be like Oliver from Oliver, Oliver and Company's like exactly. cousin or something. And so, like, so, and then the fact that the story is so bleak with that great art, it's just it like it adds something to it. It also helps soften the blows a little bit as well. You know, just like the dogs at the a little bit, but also just like yeah. you've never seen anything like this. At least I yeah. haven't. Where it's just such chipper art for such a bleak story. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Carrie. Carrie's going through it right now, folks. Yeah, I'm really it's sorry. Okay, it's really sad because I like dogs more than people, and I don't like to see them die. I'm sorry. It yeah. was really good, but shame on the artist for honey potting me it with the art. <laughs> oh, so fucking cute. I, I can I uh can I console you in the the uh the uh truth that no real dogs were uh hurt in the making yeah. of this book. Yeah. <laughs> I was so upset after I read it yesterday that I called Brian while he's on his commute, and the first thing I said was like, "I finished reading. How could you do this to me?" <laughs> And then I had to hold my dog for twenty minutes so he could console. We just, just so you know, Richard and I both, you know, let Carrie. She, she Carrie, Carrie had the option of definitely not being on this episode, and so Carrie I, was we're going to change. I was down to change the book. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to do that to you. Yeah, guys. but Carrie was tough, and she got through it. And I, you know, so yeah, she was tough. She, she's she's the uh, the MVP of this episode. Um, but um, but yeah, it's you know, I mean, like like as you, you know, if you love dogs, if you love any kind of little animal, even you know, if you don't, and I, you and know, I, it's 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 difficult, but it's so well done. Yeah, and the re and the thing too is that like there's a reason why they're dogs in the story too, and and that's used as part of the drama because mm. the memory, 
Like, yeah, that's have... what I was gonna ask. I had two questions about the book, Brian. So, is he doing something for them to lose their memory, or is it just a, sh- a dog has short term memory? Do- dogs have terrible short term memories. They all, they're you know, they kind of describe it in the beginning of the book too. But um, it basically they'll remember, you know, their um, you know, their their masters. They'll remember big things, but like basically, like you know. It, 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 they have to basically have their memories kind of, uh, you know, like you know, jogged. Like for Sophie, like the scarf that smells like her old master. You know, nah. like, um, and, and you know, in order for them to to, to feel or see things. And um, now, yeah, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Now, does Imogene remember everything? I get the vibe that Imogene definitely remembers everything, and kind of, and that's why because Imogene never seems at all phased by what's going on by any of the revelations, even uh, when the masters first accused of being a murderer. Imogene's just kind of like, "I'm not getting into this." Yeah, and even when everyone runs out the house, even after tackling the master, Imogene stays. Yeah, yeah. Even though Imogene helped the the dogs out at first. Yeah, she stays, and then when the when the cops arrive, she's you can see Imogene's in the the top of the yeah, still in the house. Yeah, still in the house. Um, and she's the only dog that doesn't talk. Um, out of all the dogs, too, she's and she's basically mm-hmm. just an old. I I got the vibe that she was basically there from the beginning. Like mm. she, she was maybe the she maybe she was the original is actually his, his dog? actual dog. Yeah. Um, as someone who likes true crime and i know that's weird because true crime is gross but like as someone who likes it i did like kind of the psychology behind the serial killer and how it's um the dogs are essentially his trophies Mm -hmm. you know Mm. um for each kill and uh and yet what i found interesting too was the um the little piece of clothing articles that he would keep you know the ripped uniform from victor which that fucked me up mm-hmm. real bad um and then like this fuck start crying and then like the scarf with sophie mm-hmm. so um i just I, I really i don't even know why i'm crying about this part yeah. but i am um but yeah this was uh i thought that was really interesting just kind of like you know it's again there it's beautifully illustrated it mm-hmm. really and the story is magnificent it's just not what I wanted to read <laughs> at all. Now, like I would love this as like an HBO Max show. Like it would look so pretty, but like you need to. It has to be somewhere where it could be as mature as it needs to be. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. Okay. Um. Yeah, because like the first. Aww. Um, I know Johnny's Johnny like, to the rescue. Yeah, Johnny yeah. Is, is is helping out right now. Um. But yeah, because like for the first issue, so yeah, um, definitely Victor's death is, I to me was like the the hard the hard point. Yeah, that's the hard book. one because oh, yeah. because like you know from the beginning of the story that something's going to happen to some of the dogs, if not all of them, because you know you know there's no even though the dogs might question it and that and also they're unreliable narr- like narrators. You know that this guy is not a good person. You know this guy is right, dead. and and he is a control freak. And so, like, the second that he doesn't have control over something, he's going to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, 
you know something's going to happen to the dogs and nothing happens in issue one, nothing happens in issue two, and almost nothing happens in issue three, and then bang. And it's like, oh shit, now it's now it's mm-hmm. real. And like, yeah. So now- um, when I started reading the book, I had no context for it. Like, I just knew that this book was very popular, very critically acclaimed. And, you know, it had pretty art. So I, I was in. I, I, I assumed that bad things were going to happen to the dogs. But I did, like, the whole serial killer aspect and, like, the way. Like, murdering people is awful. Hard yeah. stop. But yeah. there is an extra creepiness to, like, so, being in someone's things. home and waiting for them to get there. Yeah. Like, like, I was just like, oh, it just, it, it feels so skeevy. Like, it made me, made my skin crawl on top of being awful. Mm-hmm. But in the best way, because it's a really good read. <laughs> Absolutely, and like, and then like that, yeah. The 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 way the killer is is like your your you know like very good standard like style. Like they did a really good job depicting him, you know, with the trophies, the, you know, like the the you know having, you know, I'm assuming he take he took the dog, the takes the dogs, because it's something that the person loved, the victim loves, and you know, the, and therefore now he controls the love of. Of the of the of his victims after their death, essentially, and so yeah, I don't know, Brad. I kind of feel like it's 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 almost scarier if he's just a legitimate dog lover. That like, yeah, he's a he's a legitimate dog lover and serial killer, and like you know, this is how he like he he wraps his uh he's able to work and play at the same time, basically. No, statistically, um. Statistically, zero. They got everything right as far as like a quote unquote profile for a serial killer. They made it like a mm. dumpy thirties to forties year old white man lives alone. Um, and yeah, and um, and the usual in very few instances of like high profile serial killer cases, they never have animals. Because I think part of like psychopathy and uh, uh, sociopathy is like the inability to have like empathy. And mm-hmm. that's one of the, you need empathy to like truly take care of like another thing, like living thing. And I think that's why so many of them can't have, like it's just not in like their DNA literally to like be able to care for another animal. Mm-hmm. That's also why when the signs of socio sociopathy, right? So, I don't know. Sociopathy? It's 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 like um, it's psychopathy, psychopathy, and then it's like sociopathy. Soci- yes, uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know. It's, but... it's at an early age, um, they animal they, abuse. They do, yeah, they abuse animals. Yeah, or like they'll kill them, they'll they'll mutilate them, yeah. stuff like that. So, like, I mean, again, we are not professionals, but yeah. I mean, like, we've definitely listened to I think to enough like true crime shit yeah. to at least glean that. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, and I and I feel like there's so much information about like true crime available that the that the creative team behind this book knew that going into the book yeah. and into the into the process of creating it. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that the dogs are an extension of the victim, and that's why it because he's if you look at the way that the um the master is he's caring to a point mm-hmm. it's ne- mm-hmm. it's calculated care it's never like he's not like ever effusive like okay he 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 he, he goes uh through the actions of caring but he's never affectionate yeah exactly. like 
you also what's one of like the most fucked up things you can do to an animal is you comfort it with literally the thing you killed its yeah. master with like mm -hmm. that was intentional that wasn't to like yeah care or provide comfort that exactly. was like to fuck with the dog what, one thing that um i noticed on my this the second read is that so you, so obviously all these dogs have names uh -huh. but you only know the names of the of the dogs because the dogs themselves tell them each other names uh -huh. the master has no names for the dogs the master never mm. says oh, so there's a detachment there so there's a detachment there as interesting well. yeah. yeah like yeah yeah he never never has he, he never goes oh come here rusty come yeah here. yeah yeah he, you're he right doesn't, he doesn't learn the names of the hmm. dogs i didn't even catch that yeah, yeah, yeah you're absolutely yeah, correct pretty good yeah so i thought that was really interesting as well um, um, before I got to the end of the book, and I, I think I finished issue uh, three, and I was just going to text you, uh, fuck Earl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then by the time I read uh, issue five, I was like, ah, I was like, Earl, I don't know how I feel about Earl. Earl, Earl was duped, but he came through in the end. And unfortunately, yeah, it cost him a lot of his life. Yeah, yeah, he pays the ultimate price. Oh, yeah. When, when he went through the window, I'm like, oh, shit, he's not going to survive. And I'm like, oh, wait, maybe he's going to survive. And then he goes in the car. Yeah. Oof. I knew he wasn't going to survive that. I remember. Yeah, so yeah that's brutal. That's brutal. <laughs> so, um, I started following Trish Forstner. Um, I, I started following everybody on the creative team. Um, once, once, um, I started reading this last. I think it was last year or the year before. Yeah, it was last year. I think it was last year. Yeah, and um, and um, Trish Forstner. Uh, has a um a beautiful dog, and takes a lot of pictures and videos of it. I, I believe, I believe it's a husky is is mm. the type of dog or a Malamute. Um, but um, also she draws her dogs. She draws beautiful dogs. So I was like, I messaged her and I'm like, hey, like you're doing commissions. Can you uh, can can I pay you the the one yes. of our dog? <laughs> and then like um, I don't. You know, she had responded before the other questions um, or comments from me, but she didn't comment on that one. So maybe her commissions were closed at the time. Oh. Or not, but I'm definitely going to probably follow up after this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And ask again. That'd be an awesome picture of I'm Johnny. Willing to pay really kind of any price for a nice picture of our pup. Yeah. So I think also too, like the reason that this was so hard to read. God damn it. Um. Like, we don't have human children, so yeah. our dog is our son. I, mean, I know that's a very, you know, elder millennial bullshit thing to say, but, like, we really, like, Johnny's a part of our family, and he's, like, such a good dog to us and my folks that, like, it's, when you're, like, a really empathetic person, it's really hard not to, like, see your, like, what you love in the place of like an imaginary thing like a fake thing so like mm -hmm. all I could think of was like oh those poor dogs like I almost I felt for them like if they were real like oh you know like they saw their mouth like their owner get killed and like and I think I think one of the things that was like really hard to read is that they were like oh that was my lady you know and I'm yeah. like oh that's their mom you know yeah my person and it's it's stupid. I know I'm an adult, but it's just like it really pulls the heartstrings when you have an no, unhealthy definitely. attachment to your dog. <laughs> <laughs> 
I literally will plan vacations like my mom like we live with my parents so it's like my mom's like well we can't go on vacation all at the same time because who's gonna take care of Johnny like god forbid we put him with like a sitter because yeah. none of us will do it so I mean it's, it's weird shit like that and I get it but you know we have a stroller for yeah we Aww. have a stroller yeah we have two because for, one's too big one's, one's too big for him so we had to get a smaller one yeah um yeah we're that couple yeah it's really obnoxious i'm really sorry please don't stop listening because of that there's nothing obnoxious about love Karen. yeah but you know i mean like okay <laughs> but yeah straight dogs very good yeah it was um, really good it was a good choice richard it, it was a really good choice if if you can get through this i book, stand by my decision i agree yeah. with you you should if you get if you get through this book without any problems and to you richard um there's a um a short story two issue anthology uh, called dog days that came out a little bit after this volume um that are kind of like just short stories that in this universe um that's really good as well but yeah it's um you know it's once again has the bleakness of of this story they do they do oh shit but yeah so um and i you know i'm stupid and like uh when we when 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 you had richard when you had said let's do this book i'm like oh let's let's do volume two as well and i'm like no no yeah second thought i'm glad we didn't do volume two (laughs) (laughs) we just barely got through volume one so yeah so so yeah definitely Thanks. i appreciate that no stray dogs really good book yeah it's very beautiful it's, it's beautiful a, it's a recommendation just absolutely very you know, good book may or may not traumatize feel, feel yourself essentially <laughs> before you read it but it's a good read it's a good watch or read wow i'm watching my comics now <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> all right <laughs> well um yeah so is, if you guys have anything else to add to uh our stray dog strut no okay <laughs> um in that case uh i guess it'll be about time for for me to to close this all down once again with no no uh no theme song i'll just move it along and i'm padding for time as i look for my closing script oh yeah I'm editing tonight, so if I didn't get rid of this, hey everybody. <laughs> this is stuff that I usually cut out. All right. No one told me that they'd be sausage. Oh yeah, sounds actually pretty good. Um so we have reached the end of the show, but not the end of the sausage. And thank you to everyone listening to our show. Um, Instagram, Twitter, Good Pod, CDB Pod, uh, Book Clovers on Friday. We will announce uh, the next episode's uh, main subject on Instagram so you can follow along. Um, if you want to join in our conversation, email us at better at gmail.com. Website is commentsaresarebetter.wordpress.com where you can request a subject for a future show. Uh, Richard, where can we find you on the internet? I'm, uh, I'm at TopCat360 all over the internet. The NFL, it starts soon. <laughs> now we're in it, and um, I'm gonna be insufferable because football's back. Yay! Yeah, college just started like last week, right? As well. If if you watch that sort of thing, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, no, definitely started last week. <laughs> I well, my only issue with college is that like a lot of the powerhouse teams will choose, you know, like pen, you know, like easy teams in the beginning of the season just so they can pad their scores. And that's the only thing I don't like about college. But besides that, it's, it's fun. 
to watch. Um, but um, Carrie, do you have anything for us today? Uh, yes, in honor of the, uh, oh my God, the Stray topic dogs. of stray dogs. Um, I am featuring LA Love and Leashes. It's a nonprofit organization. Uh, they work in conjunction with LA Animal Services. Uh, they socialize uh, love and find homes for dogs and cats. If you're in the Southern California area, they do have a storefront that you can go to at the Westfield Century City Mall. And if you're so inclined to do so, any amount, um, their Venmo is at LA Love Leashes. And their Instagram is LA Love Leashes. They're really cute. Um, they do a lot of good work and they're always trying to get dogs and cats out of the LA Animal Services, like the LA County shelter system and get them to loving homes. So nice. always important. Absolutely. And the, yeah. Oh, and if we have any Australian uh, listeners, I don't know, um, Edgar's Mission is a non-prof uh, for saving uh, like abused animals of all sorts, um, chickens, cows, a bunch of farm animals. They also take um, donations and they are on Venmo as well, I believe at, at Edgar's Mission. So they're really cool. I was uh, researching them this morning. I was trying to buy tickets to their sanctuary and then I realized they were in Australia and I was like, whoops, can't go. <laughs> but I, was, I really wanted to go to the farm and like go see all the that animals. That would be a bit of a snag. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Our possible special guests might be able to go to, to there. Yeah. We have, we have, we, we have right now scheduled to have a special guest next week. So um, if things don't uh, change, then I hope you all join us next episode too. Um, to, to have some fun. I'm not going to say who it is yet. Um, all right. Well, I'm Brygen underscore CV on Instagram. And for Richard and Brian, whoa. You are and Brian. Pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, that's the last time I'm getting him one before that we record. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, the PSL. Um, for Richard and Carrie. This is Brian. I'm Brian. And this is the Comics Deserve Better podcast. And remember that comics deserve better and everyone deserves comics. Good night. Bye. Good night. Don't kill dogs. Yes, please don't. Go for other animals. Or people. Yeah, or people. Sorry, yes. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Sorry. Bye.